Welcome to the new episode of Supply Cast, the podcast from the Healthcare Supply Association. This week I'm joined by Dan Small. Hi Dan. Hi, are you right? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks for joining me and taking time out of your day. I know it was, I believe it was your day off today as well. Now uh, working from home day today. Oh, welcome from home. Well, you were in the NHSBQ, I mean, you're never really off, are you? I suppose. It's very true. Anyway. Um, so, uh, first of all, Dan, uh, can you tell me a little bit about where you ply your trade and um, what role you have there? Yep. So, I'm the Associate Director of Procurement at Medway NHS Foundation Trust in Gillingham in Kent. Uh, I run the procurement team, which consists of the buyers and senior buyers, as well as the stores and distribution and the materials management team. Excellent. You, you rattled through that very quickly. I was very, very impressed by that. <laughs> it's a skill that I know well. <laughs> so, Dan, the main reason why uh, I, I was talking to you today is to do with the fact that you've been getting quite actively involved in trying to, you know, entice the next generation of people into healthcare procurement. Uh, before we go into that I just want to get an idea of how long you've been around procurement and uh, you know how long you've been invested in this uh, career and industry. So I've been doing procurement for around about 25 years now Um, I left school at 18 didn't really know what I wanted to do got a commercial trainee scheme at uh, BA Systems or GC Marconi as it was then Mm -hmm. and fortunately found myself in a very social department that was procurement Um, And and the rest is kind of history. I had a procurement director at the time called Lee Tribe who believed in me massively. I had two great team leaders in Jane Jeffrey and and Becky Lambert who trained me up and and got me on to what I'm doing today. And I was there for about 12 years. And the beauty of working somewhere like BAE in procurement is that you get to actually physically see what you buy up in the skies. So I've worked Mm -hmm. on Airbus, I've worked on Boeing, I've worked on Eurofighters. all of it is is stuff that you can actually point at and go, I've bought stuff that's on there. So it's a really interesting career for someone that didn't know what they wanted to do. And you know, it enabled me to actually then start to, to travel around the UK a bit and actually travel around the world a bit more. Um, I ended up working in Washington for a couple of weeks for BAE, doing a big negotiation over there. Decided to leave there, but then um, progressed my career through manufacturing, ended up in Aliaxis, a UK, which is a, a big company, Marley Plumbing and Drainers and the Hunter Plastics people might know the brand. Um, again, had a, a brilliant procurement director there by the name of Paul Bajan, who really developed my career onwards. And then decided to leave there and, and joined the NHS about seven years ago. Um, predominantly came in as a category manager. Then about four years ago, I got the job as the Associate Director of Procurement and I'm starting to shape the team and move us forward. Fantastic. I mean, that's that's quite interesting, you know, the, the other sectors that you've worked in. How do they compare to... The NHS, I mean, obviously not, not in the most obvious sense that obviously you're dealing with like, you know, it's a whole different world, isn't it? You're dealing with sort of like sexy machinery in the sky and, uh, you know, and, the, and being able to, I mean, what, what, what's, the, what's the difference between going for something like that, which might have a number of obvious benefits around just doing a job that you enjoy doing and working for the NHS? It's interesting that there's not a lot of difference. I mean, certainly when I worked in private sector, I didn't think I could do public sector procurement. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought there was a vast difference between the two. And actually, when you come across, you realise that buying is buying. 
Mm. Um, and you just need to learn a few nuances for public sector, like the old age and stuff like that, and, and, mm. and policies. But you know, strangely enough, some of the red tape that we find ourselves embroiled in in NHS was very apparent when I worked in aerospace and defence, again, for obvious reasons. I mean, we're working with people, we're working on saving people's lives. But if you think back to what I used to buy when I was in aerospace and defence and what the applications was, flight control computers for Boeings or Airbuses or things for military jets, you know, the safety factor and, and the red tape is just as much because you've got the same um, procedures to go through to make sure that the product you're buying is suitable for whatever function it is. Uh, there is a very strange nuance in terms of what I, you know where I work. When I was at BAE, I worked through both Gulf Wars, and mm. now I'm working for the NHS. I've just come out of the back of a pandemic, so I'm not sure if it's me that's unlucky or whether it's this situation <laughs> I find myself in. I was going to say, at least you was uh, you know you was you was uh, in uh, emergency mode. You're exactly. with emergency mode. Uh, I suppose. <laughs> listen, you you opened the door to COVID. It's something that is you know that so often obviously comes up and and i don't we, i want to concentrate on what you're doing with trying to bring uh, new blood into nhs procurement but just very quickly um can you sort of encapsulate how your take perhaps on covid and any concerns for the potential potential next wave i actually think covid in a way is, is facilitated what we're going to talk about because mm. one of the things that i think has happened and has been quite a positive of COVID situation is that procurement departments across the NHS have come to the forefront. So people actually now know who we yeah, are and what we do. And, you know, my relationships with my clinical colleagues over the last 18 months have been brilliant and better than they have, have been. And we're now taking that out the back end of COVID and, and working with them much closer than we've ever been. So that's a, a real positive to take, but it's been hard. You know, we're not, we're not patient facing it's been hard for us so I know from our clinical colleagues it's been you know really really tough on all of those mm. and those guys deserve masses of praise and loads of medals for the stuff that they've been doing in saving people's lives I know we're an enabler I know they all say that you know, they can't do our job without us getting the bits but they are superhuman mm. in terms of where COVID's going um, it's evident it hasn't gone at the minute um, I think we just all need to be mindful of that if you work in the NHS, I think you are a little bit more aware of things than perhaps you are if you work in other sectors. You're a little bit more yeah. careful. You're a little bit more cautious. Um, so I certainly think that all of us that are in the NHS are probably just still doing the right thing of wearing the face masks, the social distancing, just being careful. I think we're all hopeful that that it will you know, become nothing more than something we have to deal with on a seasonal basis. But yeah. we've also got the last 18 months at the back of our minds and how bad it has been. So, you know, fingers crossed it is, it's a positive moving forward. Uh, well, here, here to that. Uh, so you, you mentioned the fact that the role played in, in what you're doing at the moment. What you're doing at the moment is, and you're, you, if you've seen in the, um, the news story that we did on the HSA website about this, and obviously it's been said on our, on, on our social media, you've taking it upon yourself with you and your team to try and firm up, I suppose, the sort of potential funnel of young people that are close to going into the workplace or, or looking into potential future careers um, and the potential of going into NHS procurement. So I, I guess the first thing to say to you is, it, it, the, in the first instance is, what made you take this kind of hands-on approach? So that kind of came from my career choice seven years ago mm. so bear in mind seven years ago i was mid-30s 
Um, and I didn't know the NHS had a procurement department. And I'd been in procurement, you know, probably about 18 years at that point. So if I didn't know, the, the children of today haven't got a clue. So without someone going in and promoting that the NHS isn't just about doctors and nurses, we don't really stand the chance of bringing the next generation through. And that's kind of was the wake up call for me. And ever since I joined the NHS, it's been something that I've wanted to do. And, and certainly the last couple of years, it's been something that I started off doing, but then COVID hit. So then we've just had to restart. But, but it's more about giving them the option that, you know, there are other jobs out there apart from doctors and nurses where you can make a difference. It's, mm -hmm. I find procurement in the NHS very rewarding. You know, we, we touched on it a, a, a while ago where we are an enabler to let the doctors and nurses do their jobs, which they do really well. But we are also part of that journey. We are also there helping patients. And, and that's, you know, to come home at the end of a bad day and know that you've made a difference to someone that's been treated by doctors and nurses. I don't think there's a better feeling than that. So to actually open up the eyes of the students that says that you can come and work in, in procurement, there is jobs that you can do in the NHS that means that you haven't got to be a doctor or nurse. And actually, a lot of them you can come and join straight from school. You yeah. don't need that degree qualification. You don't need that higher education. We can train you on, on how to do our job. You mm. just need the personality and some good grades to actually get your foot in the door. And, and the rest can be history for you as well. And I believe that um, one of the issues is that you on a personal level saying that recruitment's been a little bit tough. Yeah, I think um, Kent, Kent, yeah. Sorry, Kent suffers quite, quite hardly because we obviously got London just up the road, a 40 minute yeah. train journey. Yeah. So to actually attract buyers to, to Kent uh, and certainly NHS Trust is difficult. We end up seeing off of each other, um, of the other trust in Kent, which isn't productive for any of us. So, you know, we need to come up with a new way of doing, which is developing the talent pool of the next generation so that we can actually feed them into our trust, but also the rest of the ICP um, across Kent so that, you know, we're helping each other out. And it isn't just about getting procurement in for MFT. It's about helping everyone else out in Kent and not having to steal each other's staff. And tell us a little bit more about what you're doing, because I know that you've been going into some, you, you've made through contacts, you've You've, you've asked them about going into the schools and talking about this as part of a sort of like business or career sort of evolution yep. so, thing. So about three weeks ago, uh, I presented to a room full of, of children um, via Zoom. So there's about 500, 600 kids in the room and tell them about procurement. And then last week, I actually attended a careers day at a local school uh, where we had uh, 500 pupils come through the room and basically got to talk to them about procurement and, and letting them know what they can do. None of them had ever heard of procurement, but my first question to them was, have you ever bought anything of a VBay? And their answer was yes. And uh, do you always take the first price that you find? The answer was no. So therefore they start doing our job. And then the second question was, have you ever turned around to a family member or a friend and gone, if you do this for me, I'll do that for you. And again, every one of them said yes. I was like, well, you've just negotiated. So therefore yeah. straight away, without knowing my job, you've done two aspects of my job that you know, means that you can do what I do. It isn't that complicated and you know suddenly their interest was peaked um i've also contacted a lot of other local schools to try and get into their business classes so from september i hope to see that activity increase uh, going in talking to their business studies kids and, and you know giving them an aspect of what we do how we do it how we got into it uh, what it entails and, and hoping to generate and spark their interest from that point of view as well how would you sum up the reaction you had i think it's been brilliant i mean my, for me alone, it's been very, um, very rewarding and it, and it sparked something in me as well. You know, my enthusiasm for doing it when you're talking to the kids, 
you know, let's be honest, the kids of 16, 17 have got a bit of banter about them, haven't they? Mm. They, they ask you the, the questions that perhaps older kids don't want to ask you, like how much do you earn or what do you do or you know, yeah. what's the best thing about your job? And, and you, you, the cheeky grins they give you is great, but I think they got a lot out of it as well because you know, certainly there was, there was quite a few of them that said, I didn't know about your job. I really like your job. I'm really interested in doing your job. I'd like to talk to you again. So yeah, their teacher has got my email address and hopefully some of them will make contact and progress it. That's great. It'll be interesting. As you say, it'll be interesting to see if you see any names cropping up that you remember from when you've been talking to people. Tell exactly. us a bit about, um, you, you're also looking to sort of go into the Kent FA a bit, aren't you? You're hoping to. <laughs> yeah, so I, I used to be a football coach um, at Gillingham Football Club Centre of Excellence, and, and I know a few of the, the Kent FA guys. And um, Summer Lovegrove, who's my HR contact at Medway, um, also used to play football for Crystal Palace, I believe. Got to be, got to be one of my favourite names in uh, NHS procurement. That's Summer great, Lovegrove, isn't it? it? Fantastic. Um, <laughs> so we, we've both got a, a shared contact, and, and we know um, from talking to each other that, that kids of about 14, 15, 16 in football nowadays are looking for a little bit more. They're looking for career choices and, and a bit of education. So we are approaching the Kent FA to see if there's something that we can do in, in collaboration with them um, of actually getting through kids in a non-schooled environment. So if we can go out and do something with the Kent FA or at sessions that they put on or at club meetings or whatever, where, where the kids might want to know a little bit more about what we do. It's just for us a different way of trying to attack the, the, the target audience that we're going for in an environment where they might feel a little bit more comfortable. Because let's face it, careers days are a bit sticky sometimes. The kids yeah. you know, at first don't really necessarily want to be there, but then when they start talking, they enjoy it. But football, they, everyone wants to be at football. You know, if yeah. you ever see a kid play football, they want to play football all the time. So if you go and talk to them in their env environment, in, in their way, they are going to be more engaged. And, and hopefully something comes off with the Kent FA where we can actually work together and start to promote the, the, the organisation and also promote procurement as a career. Well, that's that's. I mean, that's brilliant stuff. That sounds up. That sounds absolutely fantastic. Um, where where are you hoping this will go in the future? But where are you looking to expand it? For me, it's just about getting out into as many local schools and universities as we can, and, and start spreading the word. Um, you know, if procurement can get more exposure in any organisation, um, be it private or public sector, and you get more people joining the procurement um, career path, then that's great. For me, it's about invigorating the children and, and just giving them another option and giving them something mm. that, you know, I'm not sure how many people decided at 18 they were definitely going to go into procurement. I think we all fell into it. Yep. Um, yep. It's not a career that, that you kind of go, I'm going to be a buyer when I leave school. And actually, yep. if you think about it, every single organisation today probably has someone that does the buying job if they are making something or they're you know, having to get prices for something. Whether they call themselves a buyer or not, that's what they do. So if we can grow that profession and we can we can get people interested in joining you know, the NHS and being part of the back office um, and being part of procurement, then that's got to be great. So that's that's kind of where I want to take it is getting to as many kids as we can and trying to inspire as many kids as we can. It's great. Maybe maybe one day even one of those people come into procurement and end up winning a HSA award, which is my rather unsubtle segue into a little <laughs> reminder about the fact that the deadline for nominations to the HCSA awards is August 27th. Uh, worth reminding people of that fairly regularly because it can seem as if the, well, they're not going to be handed out to November, but the deadline for actually getting nominations is, is very early. And I'm sure you'll agree, Dan, that 
this year as much as last year, it's important that there's the recognition there. And, and I, what I would also say as someone that's um, in a previous career, been up for two SIPS awards, um, mm. in uh, Medway, we won a business award a couple of years ago. Actually, the buzz that the team get from first being shortlisted and then hopefully successfully winning an award, you can't replicate that feeling. Um, yeah. you know, your team can live off that for a good 12 to 18 months and, and yeah. the enthusiasm and, and that you get, it's worth doing it just for that alone. So wholeheartedly agree that, you know, not getting, putting yourself forward for an award and hopefully getting nominated or shortlisted, it's definitely worth doing it. And if you do get a uh, flood of young people through your, through your efforts coming into NTSBQ, and I'm sure you'll be advising them to take up HTSA membership. Of course. Of course. <laughs> Dan, um, I think what you're doing is, is brilliant. I think it's fantastic. I mean, one of the things I noticed with a lot of people in NHSBQ and it's just that there's so much passion that gets built, built up by individuals that are in it. Uh, you know, th there's a lot of things that I notice a lot. People, when they come into it, they often like to stay in it. Uh, they, oft they always have a long list of mentors over the years that they put a lot of stock in having uh, pushed their career along and been crucial to their career, which I think is fantastic. I also think it's a sign of a strong industry when that happens uh, and a good industry for, indeed for young people to go into. Definitely. And um, yeah, I just, in, in general, I think there's a great camaraderie. So I think that, you know, it is a good, in, from my point of view, it is a good industry for young people to go into at that early age from, as you say, from, from school. Um, I think it is. I think it's a sort of a classic kind of almost apprenticeship type thing that you can stick into. A bit old school in that sense, I suppose. No, um, so great. congratulations on, on the work that you're putting in you and, and the team there. As we hurtle towards the finale of this podcast, I am going to wish you off to uh, the Desert Island Supplies part. I almost forgot the name. I named it myself, Desert Island Supplies. It's because it's a rift on Desert Island Discs, obviously. And I, like I, it. I, always, I have to stop myself from saying this. Um, so Desert Island Supplies. Now, what happens, and, and everyone has to go through this um, perhaps somewhat torturous process. It depends a lot how much they thought about it, I suppose, before coming on, is we're going to take you off to Desert Island. Plenty of food and water. You don't have to worry about that. But you do get to take a luxury item, one album, and one film. And as we always say, this is a special, this is a special HTSA island where you have the means to listen to those things. So don't, so don't worry about that. So first of all, Dan, what would be your luxury item if you had been guitar? Well, you were certainly you had that answer ready, didn't you? There's no doubt uh, about guitar that. Go, uh, guitar goes everywhere with me. So right. without a shadow of a doubt, it's a guitar. So you're proficient with the guitar? Um, yeah, yeah I, I, I would say I, well, I, I was in a band about 20 years ago. Um, mm -hmm. I've got I've got nine guitars in the house at the minute. Um, wow. Mrs. says I've got far too many, so yeah. I should be reasonably proficient with, with that number. You can't have too many guitars, can you? No, you Dan? can't. That's why I keep telling that. her. <laughs> um, uh, what is it? Is it bass or is it what, what, what do you play? So, I, I play acoustic and electric, um, so I've got both in the house at the minute. I think I can uh, play the Jaws theme on a nah. guitar, and that's about it. It's like I can play the two chords, and <laughs> so I'm all right with that. So guitar, I mean, it sounds perfect in a way. So I'm looking forward to what, what the uh, album you're going to take is. So the album probably will be Bon Jovi, Slippery When Wet. Oh, okay. Great, yeah. Uh, oh, otherwise, what am I? 
That and that's the one you is that your sort of go to? Uh, yeah, it's, it's one of the first albums I bought, and I, I like Bon Jovi, so it's a, it's a really good album. So, actually, I was going to say quickly because of the guitar thing, do you have a sort of favorite guitarist right now? Do you have a sort of hero guitarist? I've actually always leaned towards Richie Sambora. Um, I think he's underrated in Bon Jovi um, and actually he's a very good songwriter as well but uh, that's always been the guy that I've looked up one of the first ones that got me playing guitar so yeah, yeah it's always been him okay great and just and finally you've got your guitar you've got your you got Slippery Room Wet what's the film? Top Gun ah oh, fantastic absolutely brilliant what a great you don't need anything else on that island do you no, i'll be well happy with that <laughs> you've got it all sorted on that island fantastic brilliant stuff so we've got a very sort of 80s island going on haven't we definitely I and yeah. we slipped through when we're out i want to say it was late 80s i think it was late 80s yeah yeah it's got to be isn't it i would have thought yeah oh i love it fantastic well listen dan thank you very much for joining me more power to you as you as you head out there to entice the next generation of NHS procurement professionals. Thank you very much for having me. I've really enjoyed the opportunity of being able to talk about what we do. Brilliant. Fantastic. And I hope you can join us on the next issue of Supplycast. Bye.